This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Get a Casper mattress and get a great night's sleep. Try it for 100 nights risk-free. Go to casper.com slash Glenn and use the promo code Glenn. Get $50 towards the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions do apply. Should the president of the United States be joking about all of the people in the country that have lost their health care? Is that really something he should be joking about when he promised that you'd be able to keep your doctor? The, the conversation right now is, with Donald Trump, it's going to be easy to repeal and replace Obamacare. And Hillary Clinton is talking about how great it is we're going to be able to do something better than Obamacare. Uh-huh. Could I just point out this is exactly what we said would happen when we were on Fox? We said, let's look at the numbers. This has no way of succeeding. This is built to fail. So then something new and better. It's progressive baby steps. That and Megan Kelly right now. I will make a stand. I will raise my voice. I will hold your hand. Cause we have won. I will beat my drum. I have made my choice. We will overcome. Cause we are The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Last night, it was Megyn Kelly versus Newt Gingrich on the facts. It was, it was quite an amazing thing. And I think Newt Gingrich said everything right towards the beginning when he said, we are dealing with two alternative universes. And he's right. I think there is the universe that um, Newt Gingrich is living in and the universe that everyone else is living in. But maybe it's just me. I want you to listen to this, and we could take clips, but as I was watching it uh, this morning, I thought to myself, man, I I could stop it at three different points and say, that was incredible, that was incredible to watch. But wait, there's more. I think you need to hear the whole thing in context. Listen to this. Good to be back. I mean, with with Cook and many other nonpartisan independent pollsters now saying that the Senate is likely lost to the Republicans... What does that say? I mean, if Donald Trump loses this White House race and the Republicans lose the Senate, does that suggest that the Republicans nominated the wrong candidate at the top of their ticket? The next two weeks are a contest of two parallel universes. Uh, I just listened to that report. First of all, I used to hang out with Charlie Cook when he would explain that Donald Trump was hopeless and would not get the nomination. I like Charlie. That doesn't mean he's infallible. But let's let's take the, the... I want, to, I want to just say something here. There's something that I want to get to later. Michael Moore says Donald Trump is going to win. And when you hear his explanation of why he believes he's going to win, I think he has a good point. I think he may be right. And it's what I was talking about yesterday and what I was saying to the people up in New York who are in the mainstream media who say uh, Donald, uh, uh, Hillary Clinton is going to win. I'm not so sure of it. Typical Glenn. Glenn, Glenn he's a, he's a Greek. <laughs> you should turn your mic on. Yeah. Oh, it's just not working today? Good. Thank you, guys. 
Thank you for finally getting that done, and Stu's mic's not working. Um, but you need, to, you need to listen to that, and we'll get to that in a second. But I, I want to point out here that when you're watching this, um, Newt Gingrich throws up his hands and shrugs his shoulders when he says, when, when Megan says, if they lose the Senate, does that mean they nominated the wrong person? He just shrugs it off like, eh, I don't know. Look, we're in two different parallel universes. No, if we lose the Senate and or the House, that's a really bad thing. Can we all agree that we're in that universe, that that's a bad thing? Now, the report we just got. Republicans are actually outvoting Democrats in Florida. They're outvoting Democrats in Pennsylvania. That's unprecedented. They've cut the you Democratic lead. You predict a win lead. in Pennsylvania? I think they might. Really? Uh, they're Do you think Trump's going to win Pennsylvania? Look, all I can report no. to you right now is they're outvoting the Democrats in early voting, uh, which is also true in Florida, which is unprecedented. But all uh, of the polls in Pennsylvania Democrats have her early. winning. What? All of the oh, polls in Pennsylvania I, have her head. I know. I just told you we have two alternative <laughs> universes right now. <laughs> stop. stop. Uh, so there's one universe where the facts say one thing mm-hmm. and another universe where the facts say something else. Stu, can you help me out with the with the early voting that that Democrats are behind and that Republicans are out voting them? Um, you know, <laughs> It's a uh, it's an interesting point he's making there. Uh, there has been some I like I think Donald Trump's uh, early voting looks pretty good in Iowa, I would say. Uh, he I would say in Florida. Um, yeah. He's saying that there well, and Florida and Pennsylvania. He's yeah, because well, he said again we're, we're talking about two alternative universes right. and it, look, we can define those universes. One is the universe where uh, Donald Trump is winning in an unprecedented way the early vote in Pennsylvania. The other universe is the one we live in, which Pennsylvania does not allow early voting. That's the other universe. So, holy cow. <laughs> it's going to be, di- I mean, it would be unprecedented if he was winning the early vote in Pennsylvania. What? They don't do it. They don't there. have what? early vote in Pennsylvania? No, that's not a thing. What the hell is he talking about? Oh, my God. I mean, he's just, I mean. Oh, you don't need a single fact if you're a Trump supporter. You don't need, wow. One. You don't need that's fact one. That's amazing. Wow. It is amazing. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. So, go ahead. Wow. Iowa, right. for example, the Democrats are 50,000 votes behind where they were with Barack Obama and turnout. Uh, the governor is very confident we're going to carry Iowa, which Obama carried last time. I can I just carry you through. I, 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 By the actually, way, 50,000 behind where they were with Obama doesn't mean they're losing to Trump. I know. And, and, and it depends also on 12 or an 08. 08 was unprecedented. So being behind in 08 is, is not necessarily saying. And those are good you know, things to, to consider. I, I actually do think he's going to win Iowa. I could be wrong on it and it could change, but his numbers are good in Iowa in yeah. the early voting. And his polling has been strong in Iowa throughout uh, as opposed to other states that you, you know, comparing it to other states that are similar or ones you that interesting since uh, Ted reason. Cruz won Iowa in the primary. Yeah. It's interesting. Iowa's been a strong state for Trump in polling against. They haven't been that strong for Republicans lately. Right. And, and now, and they're they, still not. And they're <laughs> still not. They're still not. <laughs> they're still not. After a case like this in Minnesota, we're almost certainly going to win the congressional seat up around Duluth. Uh, which is a very democratic area, but it deeply dislikes Hillary Clinton uh, and represent nothing. Let me just ask you, because uh, you say it's two alternate yeah. universes. Um, I mean, uh, in Minot, North Dakota, too, there's a guy running for <laughs> alderman who may <laughs> win, right. and right. uh, he right. doesn't like Hillary either. You're, these are sort of stupid. 
small example a weird of point. how he might be heading early voting and so on. But I'm telling you that the Fox News decision desk just moved Iowa that you just mentioned, Indiana, second con congressional district in Maine. All of them moved left, moved more yep. likely to vote for Hillary Clinton. And in fact, all of the moves that sure. have been on this map over the past three weeks by Larry Sabato, mm -hmm. by Cook, by the Fox News decision right. desks, these are nonpartisan outlets that are just trying to call the electoral They're not nonpartisan outlets. Every outlet you described Fox is part of the establishment. Fox News, uh, really, are we? I don't think so. Oh, and they all, every state they've moved, they've moved it to the left, towards Hillary. And you tell me whether that's all made up. So he's attacking Fox News, who's been in the bag for Trump the entire election. <laughs> I think he's only attacking. He may be only attacking. He's only attacking Megyn Kelly here. Oh, and, really and the Fox News polls. I think yeah, he's. And the polls. He's trying is what he's, he's doing. Yeah. He's doing his best. He's muddying the water. Grasping waters. at straws. No, I think they're two alternative universes. You have a poll which suggests that she's going to get a Barack Obama turnout among African-Americans. I don't think that's going to happen. You have a Washington Post ABC News poll where they took out 8% of the vote because they didn't like the way it voted. Look, I'm, I've been around long enough. I remember when the Detroit liberal newspaper on the Sunday before the election said John Engler would lose by 14 points. He won the governorship that year. Mm -hmm. uh, I, don't take the, I don't take polls as seriously as people who've never run for office. But your candidate, I can tell you. your candidate loves them and has touted them <laughs> from the beginning. And he's been behind in virtually every one out of the, out of the last 40 polls that we've seen over the past right. month. That's the reality. I, I, the, 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 the important point to remember here, uh, because I think a lot of Trump people realize this, but in case you are on the Newt Gingrich bandwagon, the issue with the, with the problem with the primary was not saying the polls were wrong and Donald Trump was losing and, and, and then he wound up winning. It was that he was winning the whole time. And people like myself, for example, gave you reasons why the polls probably were not going to work out in Donald Trump's favor. And they did. He wound up winning. But he was winning the whole time. So now the same people who are questioning the polls and saying, uh, you know, are questioning the polls now that were saying that they were right then. I, the point here seems to be that the polls are right. The polls have done a pretty good job in predicting well, the these polls things. showed him winning at the time against um, uh, his candidates. But they showed, they showed him losing against Hillary. Same the polls. Same polls. Same, the same methodology. It's, the it's, same organization. Right. It is why we were saying during the primary, stop looking at those polls. He's telling you he's winning in everything. He's losing in all of the critical polls, which show the head-to-head -head against Hillary. He was the only one that was losing every single time to Hillary Clinton. Now, those were the same polls that show him showed him winning against Marco Rubio, against Ted Cruz, but losing at the same time to Hillary Clinton. And the margin increased, not decreased, but yes, increased, increased as Trump won the primary, yes. which is a point we tried to make a million times here. Yes. It was going the wrong, wrong direction. direction. Uh, and it's like, do, to believe that, you have to believe that part of the poll done by the same organization was biased. But the other part of the same poll done by the same organization is not biased. These are not, these are not cons you know, intellectually consistent arguments. Because no, they were done at the same time. It's not like these polls, it's not like the polls showed him winning against Clinton 
during the primary, no. those same polls showed him losing against. I don't Clinton. think he won a single. Uh, I don't think one. during the primary. I don't. I not that I remember. Uh, Still, you'd be better at that. Did he win a single poll head to head during the primary against Hillary? I can get you the numbers on that, but it, I think he did win a couple. Um, all of those that he, I, I think he won a couple by one or two points. I actually did. It was like fifty-one those, polls or something. So I think it was over like hundred. It was more than that. It was yeah. yeah he I can find the exact eighteen out of hundred and twenty or something like that. If you want to assume the election's over, skip the next two weeks and we can talk about the future. I'm not assuming Fine. anything. I'm, just, I'm asking you whether you believe right. your candidate's behind based on these numbers and what I, it says about the, the down ballot very, races. I, I believe the odds are at least one in three, and maybe better than that. That the difference in intensity. And the difference in determination and the degree to which Hillary Clinton is clearly the most corrupt, dishonest person ever nominated by a party all mean that the odds are pretty good she's not going to win. Mm-hmm. Now, I actually believe that. This is not just because I'm for Donald Trump. I actually believe the American people so let me, let are me ask sickened you about that. by this. She, sure. Let's assume she is corrupt, right? She was Fair just as corrupt three weeks ago and three months ago. And she, she would have been corrupt and collapsing physically on September 11th of this year and her poll numbers tanked but then you know what happened he had a rough first debate he took the bait on Alicia Machado he stayed in that trap for a week the Access Hollywood tape came out which was not produced by Hillary Clinton that was Trump on that camera, was, talking Megan, about grabbing heard, women. Look, I just heard you go through this with, 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 with uh, Governor Pence. I get yeah. it. I know where you're coming from. But let me point out something to you. Sure. The three major networks spent 23 no minutes watches. attacking Donald Trump that night mm-hmm. and 57 seconds on Hillary Clinton's secret speeches. You don't think this is a scale of bias worthy of Pravda and Izvestia? I mean, you want to know why Donald Trump's had a rough if time? If Trump is At a least... sexual predator, that is... He's not a sexual predator. Okay, you that's can't your say opinion. That. I'm you not taking not a position on that it. that statement. I, I'm, now, I am I'm not sick taking a position tired on of people it. like you using like language you. that's inflammatory that's not true. Excuse me, Mr. Speaker. Donald, Donald, Donald Trump is not... You have no idea this... whether it's true or not. What we know is that neither, there are at least... Neither do you. That's right, and I'm not taking a position on, on it, unlike well, yes, you. you. Are. When you use the words, you took a position. So what I, think I said it's very is... very unfair of you to do that, Megan. Incorrect. I think that is exactly wow. the bias people are upset by. I think that your defensiveness wow. on this may speak volume, sir. No. What I said is... Let me just is suggest if... to you... No, no, no. Let me make my point, and then I'll give you the floor. What right. I said is, if... Trump is a sexual yeah. predator, then it's a big story. And what we saw on that tape was Trump himself saying that he likes to grab women by the genitals and kiss them against their will. That's what we saw. Then we saw 10 women come forward after he denied actually doing it right. at a debate to say that was untrue. He did it to me. He did it to me. We saw reporters. We saw right. people who had worked with him, people from Apprentice and so on and so forth. He denies it all, which is his right. We don't know what the truth is. Newt knows My her. Point- Newt knows her. He should know better than this. You don't take all I can think of this whole time. Head like this? What the, are you all, doing? All I can think of is I, I, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking <laughs> her poor husband and children ever trying to pick a fight with mom or the wife. Bad idea. You're dead. Bad idea. You are dead. Listen, wow. she, you know she's angry. Yet oh, yeah. she is completely emotionless. Under control. And, and he's she, out of control. He's out of control. And he's about to really lose control. To you, so, as, as a media as a media story, we don't get to say the 10 women are lying. Oh. We have to cover that story, sir. Oh, sure. Okay, so, so it's worth 23 minutes of the three networks to cover that story. And 
Hillary Clinton in a secret speech in Brazil to a bank that pays her 225000 saying her dream is an open border where 600 million people could come to America. That's not worth covering. That is worth covering. When you covering. want to go back and to the did. tapes of your show recently, you are fascinated with sex and you don't care about public policy. Me? Now that's really? what I get out of watching you tonight. Wow. You know what? Mr. Speaker, I'm not fascinated by sex, but I am fascinated by the protection of women and understanding exactly what we're what getting the in the Oval Office. Said. And I think okay. the American voters would like and to know. We're going to send Same Bill Clinton thing. back to the East Wing because, after all, you are worried about sexual predators. Yeah, listen, it's not about me. It's about the women and men of America. And the poll numbers show us that the women of America, in particular, are very concerned about these allegations. and in large part believe that they are you, a real issue and you want to comment, you want to comment on whether the Clinton, do you want to comment on whether the Clinton ticket has a relationship to a sexual predator we on the Kelly file have covered that story as well sir I will no, tell I you, just the want to hear you use the words I want to hear you words Bill Clinton sexual predator I dare you Jeez. say Bill Clinton sexual predator out of control. Mr. Speaker this barred by the island by the Arkansas me, bar disbarred by excuse the Arkansas me. bar $850,000 penalty excuse me sir we on the Kelly file have covered the Clinton matter as well. We've hosted Kathleen Willey. Well, we've we've covered the examples <laughs> of him it, being accused as well, but he's not on the ticket. And the polls also show that they'll the American the, public is less in interested in the deeds Jeez. of Hillary Clinton's husband than they are in the deeds of the man who asks us to make him president, <laughs> Donald Trump. We're going to have to leave it at that. And That's you can fine. take your anger issues and spend some time working on them, Mr. Speaker. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> now this. Before I talk to you about a product or nice. a service, I meet with the people from the company. And a few few years ago, I met with the founder of Simply Safe. He's a very smart guy, Harvard educated engineer, um, with a long a long history in his family of being a tinkerer and inventors. So he's got some living up to do. His his grandfather w was instrumental, I believe, in helping win World War II. Here's what's most important. He went to work and he found and started a company um, run with integrity and the integrity of the product and the integrity of the people behind the product. They created a home security system based on giving the customer what the customer needs. Simply safe. Installation is easy. No wires, no drilling, no pushy salespeople that you want to chew your arm off to get away from. Just powerful, award-winning technology that keeps the bad guys out of your house. Simply Safe is also only $15 a month for monitoring with no long-term contract that locks you in. Protect your family, protect your home. Do it the smart way. Visit simplysafebeck.com. Go there now, get free shipping on your order and a free keychain remote worth 25 bucks. It's simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. You're listening to the Glenn Beck program. The Glenn Beck program. Mercury. The key to having a great day starts with having a great night's sleep, and I know because I have a Casper mattress. The Casper mattress was invented with two high-tech foams that give you all of the support that you need and guarantee that you get the best night's sleep ever. 
Time Magazine named Casper Mattress one of the best inventions of 2015. Casper ships for free in a box so small you won't believe it holds the actual mattress, making it simple to get from your front door to your bedroom. And you try it for 100 nights risk-free. They'll come and pick it up if you don't love it as much as I love mine. And they'll refund every single dime. Once you try it, you're never going to want to sleep on anything else. Having a great day by having a great night's sleep. Casper.com slash Glenn. Use the promo code Glenn. $50 off the purchase of your mattress at Casper.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. Don't forget, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Casper.com slash Glenn. Terms and conditions do apply. is the Glenn Beck Program. Sign up for the newsletter and get all the info you need to know at glennbeck.com. Now, I think Donald Trump and Newt Gingrich are on the wrong path. I think there is a real case to be made that Donald Trump um, can win, but it has nothing to do with corrupt polls. And Michael Moore is the only one making this case. Now, he's making it because he's freaked out and he's like, Hillary Clinton's going to lose. I'm telling you, she's going to lose. But he just was in Iowa, and he made a case. And I, I can't play it for you because it's riddled with profanity. <laughs> but I can read it to you. And I believe it is a very strong case on why Donald Trump is going to win. And pollsters can't measure this. Let's explore a sound argument, not the Newt Gingrich rigged media argument, but the sound argument on why Donald Trump has a real chance still to win. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Lori in Colorado, you're on the Glenn Beck program. Welcome. Thank you. Hi. Go Hi, ahead. Glenn. Yeah, I just I just disagree with you this morning, and and I have to tell you, I am not a Trump supporter. I have no intention of marking that box. Okay. But I will tell you, I was thoroughly disgusted with Megan's performance last night with her interview, and it has wow. nothing to do with um with how I feel about. Myself. So what was it that bothered you? The labeling. I think it's the labeling of and not being proven. Wait, she didn't label. She didn't label. She so, said she, she, she didn't, didn't label. She said if he is a sexual predator, it, that is big news. So the well, accusation of someone being a sexual predator, that's like saying there was no there should be no reporting on Monica Lewinsky until we had proof. And, you know, and I know um, Matt Drudge is Matt Drudge today because of the accusations of Bill Clinton possibly being a sexual predator. 
Well, the proof there, of course, was the blue dress. But not until much later. But, not, but, but until, not until a year you later. Have, but you don't have the proof on these 10 women. You have no, the proof. But, but, but Lori, you, you have his own words Lori, that this is what he did with women. Right. And you also had, you had no blue dress for almost a year of the right reporting on that. I mean, right. came later. you have you, 10 women who they've already debunked several of them, which is fine. Not true. I, like I said, this is not the argument. Not true. It's the argument that she would not even let him finish. And when he pointed out the amount of time that's given to uh, the story on Donald Trump and the amount of time that's given on Hillary Clinton, it, he's, it, that's very factual. I mean, and, I think yeah, it is honestly has, time for me to retire. Yeah, it I mean, really is time for me to retire because well, I, I don't understand. A Trump I don't, she's not a Trump supporter. That's no. what she says. No, yeah, I am not a Trump supporter. She's not. I, I, like believe I, said, it, I believe you. I believe you. Hold on. He I is using this continually and getting, it's getting worse with Megan. She's getting angry, as you can see. She gets angry oh, when my someone tries to defend gosh. Trump. And I, the, the, I, I'm, the one who was clearly angry was new. I've on MSNBC now, and I just I can't deal with that. I want somebody who's going to be honest about it. I can watch Brent Bear. Uh, I can watch. I can watch a lot of them on Fox. Fox. I'm a Fox junkie, uh, but I also watch some of the other the other channels as well as the Blaze. But yeah, I just uh, this is this is way beyond what I can watch. I mean, I'm done watching. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. Hey, I mean, uh, Lori, I really appreciate it. I thank you so much for your point of view. I, I, I honestly think it is. I am so lost with America right now. I, I don't. I really don't understand. Um, other than passion, blurring the lines. This is that's a what thing. she did. Is exactly what. Talk radio was doing with Bill Clinton in the 1990s, the whole time. And they were saying they've discredited many of these women. No, they discredited maybe a couple, but they smeared these women. They didn't discredit them under Bill Clinton. And they haven't discredited many of these women. Two, maybe? I don't 10, know if any of them have been discredited. I, no. yeah. I mean, there's some suspicions they've had with at least one of them because she was right. a Hillary supporter and all Correct. that stuff. Um, but, but yeah, there hasn't but been Megan, it's weird. She's not even she's arguing just... for their cases here. No. She's just oh, saying, right. obviously, we have to cover these things. Yeah. Um, and, she, and, and, and you're right. It is important to, to talk about um, the, the borders. It is absolutely critical to talk about what Hillary Clinton was saying in the borders. But here's, may I? And in, 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 (laughs) without trying to make anybody even more mad, (laughs) it's important to talk about what Hillary Clinton said a couple of years ago in a speech that she gave in, to the banks where she said borders uh, you know, we should not have borders when it comes to energy and trade, et cetera, et cetera. That's not what Newt Gingrich said, she said. But what Newt Gingrich said, she said, was a lie. What she did say was we a borderless. It's my dream to have a borderless world when it comes to trade, et cetera, et cetera. OK, well, that's exactly what Donald Trump said about two years ago. 
Yeah, it's 2013. In 2013, do you have the quote? We will have to leave borders behind and go for global unity when it comes to financial So stability. please don't start with me with your globalization bullcrap that one is a defender of, of America and the end of globalization and the other is a globalist. They are both globalists. So when you have that argument, this is what irritates me so much about the the Trump campaign's view on Bill Clinton. That's great. But how are you making that case on Bill Clinton when it's exactly the same case that was, was being made by the conservatives in 1994? It's except it's being made against you now. And you have exactly the same parameters except... They never had tape of Bill Clinton saying those things. And what is your, what is your response? Your response is it's a vast left-wing conspiracy as opposed to a vast right-wing conspiracy. I can't take it. I can't take the duplicity. I mean, Megyn Kelly's ripped Clinton people on the air many times. But let's just make the argument that she is essentially MSNBC. A mindless... Unbelievable. I mean, she's not. But she's a mindless automatron for the Hillary campaign. What would that mean for Fox News? It would still be leaning towards the Trump campaign. Even if all she did was say bad things about Donald Trump all the time, you have people who are advisors to Donald Trump's campaign with shows on the network. I mean, Fox News is is done everything they can to balance their coverage when it comes to Megyn Kelly being too critical of Donald Trump. (laughs) They have gone above and beyond on that particular case. So, I mean, this it's such a it's, it's a ridiculous argument. You could say that you think um, Newt's points are good here. But first of all, I mean, just on its, on its factual not, basis. Okay, let's, let's go this. Newt's points are good. The Democrats are, are the, oh, sorry, the Republicans are voting more in. Unprecedented. Uh, in unprecedented levels in, in Florida. In, in, in Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. In Pennsylvania. Or his, or his two points there. Okay. Pennsylvania does not have early voting. They have absentee voting, but so all, they do not dismiss. Have, so right How there, about Florida? Okay. Florida, there are mixed things there. In 2008, Republicans had a big lead in early voting and lost the state. 2012, there is a slight lead for Democrats uh, in that election. Here, there is a slight lead for Republicans. Now, Republicans led early voting in 2008 and got slaughtered in Florida. So it doesn't necessarily uh, indicate. We don't know, right? Yes. Could, could another, either way. Another piece of information. Um, is that uh, Latino votes in Florida have gone up 99% since 2012. Now, it's possible that all these Latino votes are rushing to the polls to vote for Donald Trump. But we don't, there's no, I don't, there's no polling that backs that up. There's no reason to believe that. I would say, if anything, Florida looks mixed uh, in, in what you would receive from that. Here's it's certainly not unprecedented in his, in his favor. Why we are, why we are de- um, uh, arguing these things is remarkable because here's the real argument, and it's made by Michael frickin' Moore. You're agreeing with Michael Moore. Look at you, half fallen. He is making the case that Donald Trump is going to win, <laughs> and I agree with him. Now, Breitbart... We'll make that the headline. Glenn Beck agrees with Michael Moore and leave out the point that Donald, the point is Donald Trump has a good chance of winning because of this. Now, listen, 
He says, I spent a lot of time with people up in Michigan, and they're not racist, they're not rednecks, they're decent people. After talking to a number of them, I wanted to write this. Um, he says, Donald Trump came to the D- uh, Detroit Economic Club and stood there in front of the Ford Motor executives and said, if you close these factories, as you're planning to do in Detroit, and rebuild them in Mexico, I'm going to put a 35% tariff on the cars when you send them back, and nobody's going to buy them. It was an amazing thing to see. No politician, Republican or Democrat, had ever said anything like that to these executives. It was music to the ears of the people in Michigan and Ohio and Pennsylvania and Wisconsin, the Brexit states. You live here in Ohio, and you know what I'm talking about. Um, whether Trump means it or not, it's kind of irrelevant because he's saying the things that people, uh, that people who are hurting And it's why every beaten down, nameless, forgotten, working stiff who used to be a part of what was called the middle class loves Donald Trump. He's the human Molotov cocktail that they've been waiting for. The human hand grenade that they can legally throw into the system that stole their lives from them. And on November 8th, Election Day, although they've lost their jobs, although they've been foreclosed on by the banks... Next came the divorce, and now the wife and kids are gone. The car has been repossessed. They haven't had any real vacation in years, and they're stuck with crappy Obamacare and the bronze plan. They can't even get an effing Percocet. They have essentially lost everything they had except one thing, the one thing that doesn't cost them a cent and is guaranteed to them by the American Constitution the right to vote. They might be penniless. They might be homeless. They might be effed over and effed up. (laughs) It doesn't matter because it's equalized on that one day. A millionaire has the same number of votes as a person without a job. One. There uh, There is more of the former middle class than there are of the millionaire class. So on November 8th, the dispossessed will walk into a voting booth, be handed a ballot, close the curtain, take that lever, a felt pin or a touch screen, and put a big X in the box by the name of the man who has threatened to upend and overturn the very system that has ruined their lives, Donald J. Trump. And it's going to feel good. They'll see what the elites who have ruined their lives Uh, They see that the elites who have ruined their lives hate Donald Trump. Corporate America hates Donald Trump. Wall Street hates Donald Trump. Career politicians hate Donald Trump. The media hates Donald Trump. And they love him. And they created him. Now they hate him. Thank you, media. The enemy of my enemy is who I'm voting for on November 8th. Yes, on November 8th, you, Joe Blow, Steve Blow, Bob Blow, Billy Blow, Billy Bob Blow, and all the Blows (laughs) get to go up and blow up the whole system because it's their right. The Trump election is going to be the biggest F you ever recorded in human history, and it will feel good. Wow, that's a good point. It it is what? That's a good case. media... If you want to talk, if Donald Trump wants to win, if you want him to win, stop talking about the rigged media and the rigged polls and all of that crap. That is the point on why Donald Trump can win. 
Mm-hmm. Period. It should be noted, a shorter Michael Moore there, a summary, is Donald Trump will win because he's saying all the same things I've been saying for 20 years. He's ideologically aligned with me, Michael Moore. That is essentially what his argument is, because those are all the points he's been making. His entire career is built on standing in front of, of auto companies and yelling at the CEOs because they're shutting them down and moving overseas. When his it's, own companies are all overseas. It's and doesn't can, matter. Mind-numbing. And can we, it doesn't know. matter. The duplicity doesn't matter to people. It doesn't. It doesn't matter. I, well, it is mattering so far. I mean, he's not winning. Right. At some point, he, at some we'll point, see. these people we'll actually see. we'll see right. in two weeks. And we we'll do see. the Brexit thing today. Yes, we have to do the Brexit. Thank you. Thing. I cannot take yes. the Brexit mention one more time. OK, um, how much was the last mattress that you purchased? Fifteen hundred dollars, maybe two thousand dollars. I wish when you <laughs> when you sleep on a Casper mattress, you'll get the best sleep ever and it will cost you a ton less. Um, Casper mattress. I have one. I love it. Pat has one. He loves it. You will love it just the same. I believe after trying it a hundred nights. And if you don't, I mean, really love it, send it back. They'll return every single penny that you spent on it. They'll come and pick it up from you. It is a a hassle free, uh, guarantee. Now, how much are you going to pay? You could go in and pay for every bit of the light bill and the and the the salesman and and the commission for the middleman, or you can buy it directly from Casper. This is why Time Magazine said it's the best invention of 2015. Not only is it a great mattress, but it costs you so much less because they've cut out all of the middlemen. It'll cost you for a king size bed. Top of the line is less than a thousand dollars. Casper mattress. You need a new bed? Try the best for 100 nights. Go to Casper.com and use a promo code BECK and get $50 off the purchase of your mattress. Terms and conditions to apply. It's Casper.com. Offer code BECK. Casper.com. Glenn Beck Program. 888-727-BECK. Mercury. Welcome to the program. Glad you've uh, tuned in today. Um, you have looked at the you have looked at the uh, Brexit thing, and you looked in because yesterday I asked you yeah. to make sure that we're looking and comparing apples to apples. And I don't think anybody is that the the campaigns and the media keep referring to Brexit, but for d- completely different reasons. They both want people to believe that Brexit came out of nowhere. Trump wants people to believe that Brexit was just this surprise to everybody. And the media wants everybody to believe that it was some surprise that came out of nowhere. But the polls don't show that, if my memory serves me right. Right, that's right. I mean, Brexit has essentially become shorthand for something that's surprising. Um, and, and it wasn't. And it really wasn't, if you look at it. It was really a toss-up election. There, we'll get to that here in a second. Also, there is somewhat of a surprise in a, in a poll that has recently come out. And that is, how has the respect for the cops 
gone? Is it going up or is it going down? A shocking poll. Next. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Black Lives Matter. Has this nonstop campaign against the police affected how we think about the police? The answer is yes. And we'll show you how it's affected us beginning right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. I was in a restaurant, a a diner in uh, New York City on Monday. And I was on my way to the uh, television studios and um, three police officers come in to this diner and they sit down. And I see them and I called the waiter over, and I said, I'd like to take care of their check, please. And he said, oh, I can't do that, sir. And I said, what? why not? He said, the restaurant, the diner has a standing policy that uh, any cops that come in here to eat, we take care of already. Nice. I said, you're kidding me, really? And he said, no. My next thought was, how come this place isn't riddled with cops? <laughs> um, but uh, so I, for a New York diner, New York City, a New York diner on the west side to do that, I thought was quite remarkable. You don't want that to get out, though. <laughs> yeah, right, right. That um, was uh, pretty interesting, too. They just released a new poll. That's what, uh, I'm, oh, you're, that's that's you're what I'm heading. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, new poll shows that despite... What we have gone through. Now think of this. Think about the rigged media and how much the media has poured onto the shoulders of our cops. How we have had the cops under assault by everything on the left. Respect for police officers has increased significantly, increased significantly over the last year. A Gallup poll released on Monday found 76% of Americans Hmm. said they respected their local police officers a great deal. And this is at a close to all-time high of 77% when Gallup uh, took it in 1967. They started this survey in 1965. This is higher. The respect for the cops apparently is higher in this poll than it was on September 11th. The all-time high was in, in, in 1967. Among political ideology, conservatives had the most respect for cops, 
self-described moderates and liberals were recorded at 72% and 71%. The results were similar among political parties. 86% Republicans said great deal of respect for cops, 75% of independents, 68% of Democrats. That's interesting. Along racial lines, whites had the most respect for cops, 80%. 67% for non-whites said they had a great deal of respect for cops. Older people had more respect for cops. 81% of older people aged 55 and older um, compared to 77% in the age group of 35, 40, uh, uh, 54 and only 69% for those 18 to 34. 76% figure is increased from 64% last year. I think that's amazing. I think that is a really good sign that when you put good versus evil side by side, we can still judge it to some degree. Yeah, I mean, in the late 60s, too, it was a period of yeah, and you strife wonder, and riots and such then. I wonder if this is the same. I mean, for it to be higher than it was in, uh, in September after September 11th is remarkable to me. Mm-hmm. And it, mm-hmm. it, you know, you look back at 67, what was going on? Same thing. And I think that proves that Martin Luther King, you know, thing, that when you put them side by side, remember, 67 is the time where, you know, they were, the cops, some of the cops were releasing dogs on people. And so you had to separate between your local police and the bad police, which I think is exactly what's happening now. You have to separate between the bad cop and the good cop. But for the most part, we all know that for the most part, the cops are good. The story in Time magazine about Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and their message and how similar their message is. And I want to talk about this for a second. Time Magazine points out that last week, Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton were both giving speeches in Florida. And um, Donald Trump said, quote, The criminal conduct of Hillary Clinton threatens the foundations of democracy. I mean that. Um, He said, uh, this is our last chance This is bigger than me or any of us. This is about our country. This is about restoring our Constitution. At the very same time he was giving that speech, and that's a pretty dire warning, would you not agree? Clinton said, Donald Trump is attacking everything that has set our country apart for 240 years. After spending his entire campaign attacking one group of Americans after another, immigrants, African Americans, women, POWs, Muslims, People with disabilities, his final target now is democracy itself. It all started with George Washington refusing to become a king. Now Donald Trump would probably have called him a loser. We have free and fair elections and the peaceful transfer of power. That's one thing that makes America great and makes America great um, and who we are. Um, Another thing that makes us great is we're not a democracy. And we've got both parties using that now. Just they've just accepted the code word that the left has given us for socialism, and and we we got to reject that. We're not a democracy. 
we're a republic. I, 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 even if our even if our our leaders can't get this, how can anybody else? How can we stop this? Well, at the at the with the threat of Pat uh, starting to spew volcanic lava <laughs> on this. Um, also in the speech, everything we stand for is at stake. Democracy is at stake. Mm. Um, what Time Magazine is saying, uh, I think, in this is. Let me rephrase it. What I'm saying is look at how they're both putting us, both of us, both sides are putting us in a position to where it is the end of the road for America. Mm -hmm. It's the end of the road. It, It used to just be Glenn Beck saying that. Now it is Donald Trump and all his supporters Hillary Clinton and all her supporters, and Glenn Beck is sitting in the middle saying, no, wait, <laughs> actually, no, actually, no, it's not the end. Um, it's going to get very, very tough, and this is a very big fork in the road. Mm-hmm. But unless we lose ourselves to either one of these guys, we make it. The key is not to lose ourselves. In the midst of them saying it's the end of the world, if either one of these guys get elected, what is it that we are missing? Do you have from Jill Stein yesterday on uh, how bad Hillary Clinton's foreign policy will be? Yeah. You know, it's really important to look at not just the rhetoric here, but actually look at the track record. And the reality is the, the lesser evil and the greater evil is a race to the bottom. And even Donald Trump and the right-wing extremism grows out of the policies of the Clintons, in particular NAFTA, which sent our jobs overseas, and Wall Street deregulation, which blew 9 million jobs uh, up into smoke. So that's what's creating this right-wing extremism. A vote for Hillary Clinton isn't going to fix it. And one last point, which is this, that it's now Hillary Clinton who wants to start an air war Uh, with Russia over Syria by calling for a no-fly zone. We have 2,000 nuclear missiles on hair-trigger alert, and Mikhail Gorbachev, the uh, former premier of the Soviet Union, is saying we are closer to a nuclear war than we have ever been. Under Hillary Clinton, we could slide into nuclear war very quickly from her declared policy in Syria. So I won't sleep well at night if Donald Trump is elected, but I sure won't sleep well at night if Hillary Clinton is elected. Fortunately, we have another choice other than these two candidates who are both promoting lethal policies. But on the issue of war and nuclear weapons and the potential for nuclear war, it's actually Hillary's policies, which are much scarier than Donald Trump, who does not want to go to war with Russia. He wants to seek modes of uh, of working together, which is the route that we need to follow. Mm. So the Green Party candidate is saying that Russia, um, uh, you know, can be our friend and that nuclear war is on the horizon. Now, if the Green Party candidate actually believed those things, <laughs> she would understand that this is a binary choice. <laughs> And why isn't she then just voting for Donald Trump? Because that's really your only choice, Jill. Yeah, I mean, and obviously she's trying to take votes from Clinton. So mm-hmm. right. this is it makes her argument. I, I've actually made this point in defense of Donald Trump several times and that like he, Trump 
promotes heavily his idea that he's not he doesn't want to get involved in wars and and he'll never uh, he'll never interject in any foreign uh, you know issue. Um, but if you really like, and so a lot of conservatives who are never Trump have said, look, you know, I, I don't trust this guy on the border. He was against or on the wars. He's against the Iraq war. And he's, he's talking about all these, uh, you know, he never wants to intervene and he wants to be an isolationist. I mean, I honestly do not believe that's how he would, he would govern. I mean, do you believe when he was in power and, and dealing with these countries on an everyday basis that he would be isolationist? No, I, that is just not, does not seem at all like his, uh, he, he, you know, he his initial reaction to almost all of these things is I'll bomb the hell out of them. Well, it depends on um, if somebody tweeted something mean about right? him. Right. Uh, if a foreign leader or a foreign citizen tweeted something bad about him, I, it, we could be at war the next morning. It seems odd to be concerned that Trump would be fact. too restrained in these in these matters. He does, although he, I will say this for him, he has been, other than when he said to Howard Stern... Yeah, I would go in there, and he did kind of flippantly throw that out. Other than that, he has been anti-war. That's not true. He supported the Libya thing, right? He supported yes. the Libya thing, um, and did I would, I, yeah, oh yeah, on, on yes. video, uh, yes. supported it. <laughs> on he said, video. "There's, there's, we should go in there. This is a bad, bad." Uh, guy. That's right. Right. Yeah. I think, and he supports the ISIS situation, right? Um, I think. Well, kind of. He initially said. He initially said no, it to and then he said yes, right? Yeah. Um, the, I guess the issue here is I, my my impression of Trump is when he's not in the president of the United States, he's essentially been on whatever side has been most popular, right? He, he became anti-Iraq war when everyone started to become anti-Iraq war. When it became, Well, every Democrat, like right, he was. Right. Yes, exactly. When it became less popular and the most trendy thing to do in New York City, he was against the war. Yes. Um, uh, you know, and as he became more Republican, he supported things like going mm-hmm. into Libya and, and whatever. He's been on that and side. Stopped every calling time. George W. Bush a war criminal. Yeah, the evil and a war criminal, which so, is what he called him in two thousand four. My, I mean, you look at the way this guy reacts to stuff. It was it just doesn't. Oh. It's hard to make me believe that he's going to just pull out of every international event every time someone does something he doesn't like. So here's something that's really interesting. There's a story out um, that came out last night. Um, that it, that Donald Trump says that people should read. He said, "I think it's fascinating." He said, "It's it's boring. Uh, I think it's boring, but uh, you know, I think people might find some things in there fascinating. You should read it. Uh, whether he means that or not, I don't know. Um, but there was a guy that was writing a book and still writing a book on um, Donald Trump who spent many many days with him." And did interviews with him on what drives you. And I, I want to share it. It's really interesting. Uh, by any measure, Arsenio Hall was a Hollywood success. He starred in popular films, packed houses, blah, 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 nighttime television show bearing his name. But Donald J. Trump saw it differently in the mid-2000s. In his eyes, Arsenio Hall was nothing. Dead as a doornail was his assessment of Mr. Hall. Um, dead as dog meat. Why the harsh judgment? Because in Mr. Trump's eyes, Mr. Hall suffered the most grievous form of public humiliation. His celebrity had waned and his star had dimmed. In short, Arsenio Hall was Donald Trump's worst nightmare. He couldn't get on television. They wouldn't even take his phone call. The intense ambitions and undisciplined behaviors of Mr. Trump have confounded even those close to him, especially in his presidential campaign. Uh, But in the more than five hours of conversations, the extensive biographical interviews Mr. Trump granted before running for president, 
a powerful driving force emerges, his deep-seated fear of public embarrassment. This is why I believe he is a very dangerous man when it comes to geopolitical politics. The recordings reveal a man who is fixated on his own celebrity, anxious about losing his status and uh, contemptuous of those who fall from grace. They capture the visceral pleasure he derives from fighting, his willful lack of interest in history, and his reluctance to reflect on his life and belief that most people do not deserve his respect. In interviews, Mr. Trump makes it clear how difficult it is for him to imagine, let alone accept, defeat. Quote, I've never had a failure, end quote, because I've always oh turned God. failure into success. Uh, this is from Michael Dionato, a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter who uh, later wrote the biography Mr. Trump called The Truth About Trump. Um, he now disapproves of Mr. Trump's candidacy, blah, 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 for the past few weeks. He started to uh, leak these out and put them out. Um, and now it's part of a two-part episode of the election called The Run-Up. Mr. Trump, in a statement on Monday, called the recordings pretty old, pretty boring stuff, but hope people will enjoy it. In the interview, 2014, right? Yeah, really old stuff. Two years. Um, <laughs> the interviews, which occurred in Mr. Trump's office and the Trump Tower in Manhattan, um, he turns from animated to bored, boastful and stubborn, and when prodded towards soul-searching, says something very revealing. I'll tell you about it here in just a second. First, uh, LifeLock. The Internet. Is anybody really... Taking a moment to digest what happened to the internet over the weekend. It just kind of happened and then we all moved on with our lives. The internet broke. But before that, Yahoo admitted it shared uh, shared emails of 500 million users with government agencies. Then there's your cell phone. Attackers can breach your smartphone security with text messages and phony game apps. Is your life locked down? LifeLock. Get LifeLock. If you're a LifeLock member and become a victim of identity theft, their U.S.-based team will work to resolve your case. Free credit monitoring only will detect credit problems. LifeLock helps detect and fix identity problems. Now, nobody can fix all identity problems or monitor you know, all uh, transactions and all businesses, but with LifeLock, you have the very best protection. Membership start at $9.99 a month plus sales tax. Go to lifelock.com or call 800-440-4936. That's 1-800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. It is lifelock.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck Program. We'll get uh, to more of that. Plus, the actual truth on Brexit. What? How did that happen? Because people are looking for a Brexit uh, to happen again. So how did that happen? Also, the uh, Nazarene Fund, um, the, um, remember we told you, about the family that had been uh, broken up 
um, held captive by ISIS, wife, uh, a daughter, and a husband held captive by ISIS for two years. Uh, they were residents of the United States for 18 years. They went back to Syria to warn their family to flee the country before the war escalated. Uh, and while they were there, uh, uh, Lazar and his wife and his daughter Alice were taken by um, ISIS. Oh, jeez. Um, our team of Mercury One was there for the rescue, and they are grateful to be alive. They are grateful for your support. They are grateful for um, uh, your prayers, and uh, they are looking forward to coming back to the United States. Thanks to our donors of Mercury One, we were able to reunite the family. Thank you. If you want to get involved, go to mercuryone.org slash Nazarene Fund. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. There's an election podcast uh, called The Run-Up that is out right now. Uh, and Donald Trump said, you know, this is pretty old and boring stuff, but I hope people enjoy it. So that was his statement on Monday night. It's not old stuff. It's two years old. It's an interview, five hours of an interview with him right before he announced. When he was, when he was asked, you know, uh, you know, look back on your life and, and analyze yourself. Um, what's the meaning of life that you have found? He said, I don't want to think about it. I don't analyze myself because I might not like what I see. Who do you, do you have any heroes? Who do you look up to? I don't have any heroes. Um, do you, I think he's his own hero. Do you, look at, do you look at history? How do you use history to understand what's happening now? Quote, I don't like to talk about the past. It's all about the present and the future. And for the most part, you can't respect people because most people aren't worthy of respect. Um, then he talked about how he doesn't need, he said, I'd be very happy in a one bedroom. I don't need these three floors in the Trump building. Um, he says, it's very hard for someone to be married to me. Um, he always seems to return in one form or another to the theme of humiliation uh, he reserves special scorn for people who embarrass themselves in front of their peers. He tells the story of an unnamed bank president who became inebriated during an award dinner at the Waldorf Astoria, a ritual of New York society. By the end of the night, he recalls the man was incapable of walking, had to be carried out. Donald Trump, we all had an arm, a leg, a back, and we carried him out of the room that night, right after he made the worst speech you've ever heard. And I've never looked at him the same way. I've never forgot that in the front of the room, the most important people... We had to carry him out of the room. And so things like that have an impact on me. I, I think that's, mm. that would have an impact on me too. Um, 
There's little trace of sympathy or understanding when people lose face. Mr. Trump's reaction is swift and unforgiving. And when Mr. Trump feels he has made been a fool of, uh, his response can be volcanic. Of, of Ivana Trump uh, told the reporter about a Colorado ski vacation she took with Mr. Trump soon after they began dating. The future Mrs. Trump had not told her boyfriend that she was an accomplished skier. As she recalls it, Mr. Trump went down the hill first and waited for her at the bottom. So this is Ivana. Uh, so he goes up and stops and he says, come on, baby. Come on, baby. I went up. I went. I did two flips in the air, two flips right in front of him. I disappeared. Donald was so angry, he took off his skis, his ski boots, and walked up to the restaurant. He couldn't take it. He just couldn't take it. He had been bested in public as he stormed off the slope, leaving behind a trail of equipment, she recalled. Donald Trump could not contain his embarrassment. Quote, she recalled him saying, I'm not going to do this for anybody, including you. On the tapes, Mr. Trump also describes a passionate enjoyment of fighting. Now, listen to this, and then I'll play you some audio from yesterday, which I think the press is being extraordinarily unfair on. Um, on the tapes, he describes a passionate enjoyment of fighting, which started during his adolescence in Queens. It didn't matter, he said, whether the altercation was verbal or physical. He loved it all the same. Quote, I was a very rebellious kind of person. I didn't like to talk. I, I don't like to talk about it, actually, but I was very rebellious and very set in my ways. In the eighth grade, I loved to fight. I always have loved to fight. Uh, physical fights, any kind of fights, all types of fights, even arguments, any kind of fight. I love it, including physical. Now, <laughs> he then talks about how he was a real troubled kid. And at the age of 13, he had to be sent off to the New York um, Military Academy because his parents couldn't deal with him anymore. He said... I'm standing there in the military academy, and this guy comes out. He's like a bulldog, a rough guy. He was a drill sergeant. Now they call him Major Tobias, but he was a sergeant then. When I knew him, Sergeant Tobias, right out of the army, and he was a rough guy, physically rough, mentally rough. He also was my baseball coach, and he said to say, he used to say things like, stand up, and, and I would say, give me an expletive uh, break. The guy came at me. You would never believe what he did. I mean... He came at me. It was really fantastic. Did he, did he rough you up? Oh, yeah, absolutely. He grabbed you by the shirt? Oh, yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's not like what it happens today. You have to learn to survive. It was tough, not like today. Those were rougher times. These guys go back to some of those old drill sergeants. They can't even understand what's going on in this country. I loved the old days. Now, listen, he loves to fight. Listen, now the press has this so unfair against Donald Trump. Joe Biden threatened, said, I want to take him out behind the barn. And Jim is what he said. Yeah, yeah the gym. I want to take him out behind the gym. And basically, he's threatening, I, I want to take him out and beat him up. Here's two losers, two guys who think they're 13 years old, threatening violence against each other. The press doesn't report that the vice president just threatened violence on Donald Trump. They only report that Donald Trump threatened violence on Joe Biden. But it was a response to Joe Biden's right. threat. That's been, they've handled that completely unfairly. Oh, completely unfairly. But 
Here's Donald Trump's response. Did you see where Biden wants to take me to the back of the barn? Me. <laughs> he wants it. I'd love that. I'd love that. Mr. Tough Guy. <laughs> you know, he's Mr. Tough Guy. You know when he's Mr. Tough Guy? When he's standing behind a microphone by himself. That's when he's been. He wants to bring me to the back of the barn. Oh. Some things in life you could really love doing. Our nation has lost. And by the way, if I said that, they'd say, he's violent. How could he have done that? And it's they true. did say that. Yeah, they yeah, did say it anyway, yeah. even though it was Biden who said it first. Yep, 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 yep. Totally. Honest. Okay, so um, the next thing that is that, that is on these tapes that are that's very interesting. And so I'd pay a lot of money to see that fight. By the way, that, <laughs> that would really last long, and you I think Donald tell. Trump would kick. Oh, Donald! Trump. Oh, Donald Trump would destroy him. Yeah, that would be like a scene out of The Sopranos. Oh. He would just keep beating and beating yes. and beating. Uh, anyway, um, in these in these tapes that Donald Trump say says really old, two years old. Uh, and uh, and kind of boring. So far, they're very interesting. Um, he says he can still recall the thrill of a newspaper mentioning his name for the first time. Quote, I said, I love it. I love it. It's the first time I was ever in the newspaper. I was a young kid, right? I was probably a sophomore in high school. I don't think anything's wrong with that. I thought it was amazing. It felt good. Donald Trump was hooked. But it wasn't enough for Mr. Trump to be the object of media fascination. He took pleasure in knowing that such coverage was denied by almost every, to almost everyone else. When Mr. DiDonato um, said that, he, that it was exciting for anybody to be mentioned in a newspaper, a seemingly wounded Mr. Trump interrupted and explained why his experience was special. Quote, well, most people aren't in print, though. Don't forget. I mean, how many people are in print? Nobody's in print. <laughs> Mr. Trump refused to let the subject go, emphasizing over and over again how unique it was wow. and how he had been mentioned in the newspaper. By the time he was an established businessman, uh, Donald Trump hired a service to compile the swelling number of references made of him in the media, which he then reviewed. He told on tape, there are thousands of them, thousands every day, thousands, thousands a day, end quote. He quickly figured out the media attention was free advertising. I could say no, and then I could advertise a project that I'm doing like Doral or something and spend half a million dollars on it or a million dollars. Or I can do a show and spend nothing and be on for a lot longer. Do you understand what I mean? So I've always felt it was a positive thing. No matter the newspaper, magazine, or show, Mr. Trump has always been keeping score. How positive coverage was and how often he was featured, just as he does today. Um... Unfortunately, Mr. Trump fears more than anything else being ignored, being overlooked, or being irrelevant. This is why I bring this up. Because this is, this is the trait in him that makes Putin such a dangerous foe. That's how he saw Arsenio Hall in the 2000s, as forgotten and ungrateful for his time on The Celebrity Prentice. There was a time when uh, he recalled his favorite song during our interview. It was performed by Peggy Lee, Is That All There Is? Trump. It's a great song because I've had these tremendous successes, and then I'm off to the next one. Because it's like, oh, is that all there is? Wow, he is, he is a tragic figure. He's a sad figure, I think. That's a great song, actually. That's an interesting song, especially sung by her, because she had such a troubled life. 
but he quickly retreats from the moment, declining Mr. DiDonato's invitation to further explain how the song makes him feel about himself, saying, I don't know if I'll like what I, uh, what I discover. Of this, however, Mr. Trump is certain. He needs the world's attention and the embrace, a life force that has sustained him for decades. He recalls walking into a giant room and watching the crowd surround him as if he were a magnet attracting everything around him. Mr. DiDonato asked him when that first started. Oh, a long time ago. It's really always been that way. Did it ever unnerve him? The author wondered. No, Trump said. I think what would unnerve me is if it didn't happen. Um, I, I, I find that an interesting look. I think Donald Trump is one of the more interesting guys um, if you could ever break down the wall. Because I think there is something, something at 13, something, I don't know, something in his youth that had to have happened that cemented this need for attention. And I think he is a very frightened man, um, like the Peggy Lee song. Is that all there is? And anybody who's an alcoholic, now Trump has total self-control on alcohol and everything else. But if anybody is an alcoholic, you know that that's the way you feel. You'll have a success and you'll have a high or you'll have whatever and you'll be, is that it? And you're always looking for the next great whatever and it never happens. It's you get there and you think that's going to make me happy. That's going to make it. And it doesn't, and you're more empty inside. And eventually you crash. He's never had the crash, and he doesn't want to look backward. You know, when he said, I don't ask for forgiveness because I don't need to ask for forgiveness, this interview shows that's not true. What he's saying is, I don't ask for forgiveness because I don't look back. I don't want to look back. I may not like what I find. But that is a denial of the power of forgiveness, the power of the atonement, the power of the sacrifice. He, none of us like what we find in our past. None of us like what we have, you know, the things that we've done. That's why we have to have that forgiveness. And he doesn't understand that. And someday, I mean, I don't know if you can teach old dogs new tricks. I mean, how much more time does he have before, you know, 10, 15, 20 maybe years before he can have that moment where he can go, oh, man, why was I fighting so hard all these years? Why was I doing that? I didn't need to run from my past. Oh, you think he has one of those moments? I hope so. I hope so. For his own happiness, I hope so. Because I don't think he's happy. He might think he's happy. But I don't think he really is. I used to think I was happy. But it was only because I was running so hard. You know? It, It says something that he can't... He has to have somebody around him. All, all times he has to be occupied by something all times he's not that to me that's a sign if you can drive in your car by yourself and turn the radio off and be alone with your thoughts outside of this time slot 
You should try yeah. that another time slot. Yeah, another time slot. You you can, to me, that's a sign that you're pretty healthy. But if you can't be alone with your own thoughts, that's a problem. Let me tell you about our sponsor this half hour, Zip Recruiter. Competition is good. It makes you it makes you work smarter. It makes your business run better. Same when you're hiring. Competition helps you find the best person. How do you find the candidates to compete for your job owner openings? I mean, to be able to find people, to be able to have the time to post on all of the job sites and then find them. It's really hard. ZipRecruiter can make it easy for you. You can post on 100-plus job sites, including the social media networks, and you can find candidates in any city, any industry, nationwide. You post once, and then you watch your qualified candidates roll into ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. So there's no juggling of emails or calls to your office. You just read the resumes, you screen the candidates, you rate them, and that way you can come back at the end and you can hire the right person first. ZipRecruiter. Been used over by over a million businesses, including ours. ZipRecruiter. You can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free right now by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. Try it out now. ZipRecruiter.com slash Beck. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Program. 888-727-BECK. All right, coming up in a minute, uh, we want to talk We want to talk a little bit about uh, Brexit um, because I think it's important because that's what people are expecting now is another Brexit to happen, that that came out of nowhere. I, I, don't, I don't recall that coming out of nowhere, but that's the way it's being spun, um, and it's important for us to look at that. With that being said, don't believe the polls that you see, I have nothing to, to, to discredit the polls other than I do think there is an X factor with the Trump supporters, that they are much more motivated to come out and vote than the Hillary Clinton supporters. Now, are there enough of them? I don't know. But they're, they are very motivated where Clinton supporters are not as motivated. More coming up in a minute. The Glenn Beck Program. Self-driving Ubers are right around the corner. And Elon Musk, uh, when he was talking about his self-driving Tesla that is coming in, what, 2018, 2019? He said it'll be fully pilotless. Buried in that announcement was a little bit uh, something about, oh, and by the way, we're going to be taking on Uber. And 
it will be a way for, he's developing a way for you to be a part of Uber so your car makes money while you're at work. Really quite interesting. The future is here. Also, we want to talk a little bit about Brexit. We begin there right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Very interesting to to read what Elon Musk said uh, on his announcement last week that new Teslas will have the hardware that will eventually enable full autonomy. Anybody talk about this last week? There's so many things going on in the last year that nobody is really paying attention to because we're talking about stupid. You know, can I ask you a question? Is there a way for anyone to figure out? I asked Stu this about a week ago. We don't know how to figure out the man hours, but I would love to figure out the man hours that we have spent as a nation talking about the president and what the president is doing over the last nine years. How, how much time have we spent debating, arguing, researching, thinking as a nation about the president? The president should never be this important. And look at how much time we all spent and how much energy we all spent. How many man hours went into the Tea Party My gosh, the government has too much control when it's sucking us dry of this much time. But anyway, so Elon Musk comes out, and and this was last last week. He said the Model S, Model X, and future Model 3 will be built with new hardware to allow them to fully be fully driverless, pending the software validation and regulatory approval. You can currently order a Tesla with full self-driving capability online. But to do so, you have to agree to a one-sentence disclaimer. Please note that using self-driving Tesla for car sharing and ride-hailing for friends and family is fine, but doing so for revenue purposes will only be permissible on the Tesla network. Details to be released next year. Wait, what? Let me read that again. Using a self-driving Tesla for car sharing and ride-hailing for friends and family is fine, but doing so for revenue purposes will only be permissible on the Tesla network. Details to be released next year. Mm. So they're saying you can't start your own Uber or Uber can't even put them... Correct. uh, Correct. Autonomous Tesla. So here's the the thing that Tesla announced last week, that that you'll be able to summons your car. So in other words, you can park your car anywhere, or your car will park itself anywhere. Maybe, you you know, a mile away, could go back home. Right, so like if if you're going to a a town fair and there's no parking anywhere, you can pull yourself up right to the town fair, get out, and tell the Tesla to go park itself. Correct. Walk in. And then when you're getting ready to leave, you want it to pull up front, you hit your key fob or whatever, and you call the car, and the car comes and pulls up at the front. 
You can do that in the morning. It will open up your garage. It will warm up your car. It will pull it to the front door. And then you just get in and you say work. And it takes you to work. And the same thing if you have a parking garage at work. You pull up right in front, you get out, it goes and parks itself in the parking garage. Correct. Imagine what this is going to be for schools. Your wife or, or the husband taking the kids to school in the morning. No, the Tesla will. And your Tesla drives the kids to school and drops them off and then returns home and picks you up. That's, inc- that's incredible how life is. That's 2019, 2018. Well, last week it will be included in the cars next year. That's crazy. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. You're driving. I was driving on a road in Texas, and Texas has this really fun way of reminding you how many people have died on the roads in Texas during the year. Mm -hmm. They have these flashing signs that are up on the side of the highways, and it's like 2,952 people have died this year on Texas roadways. Right, drive safely. Don't ask to drive. Obviously, they're trying to say, like, hey, be careful, idiot. Yeah. But, I mean, if, and they believe that this would happen, particularly when automated cars are ubiquitous, that it would, that deaths on the roadways would drop by well over 90%. Um, and, it, you know, they think eventually they can get it close to 100%. Think of what this would do to our country. It'll get close to 100% when we get rid of the manual driving cars. Yes. Yes. All of the self-driving cars have the only accidents they've been in is when people have made the wrong move around the self-driving yeah. car. So it's been people related in another car that has caused the accident. And it's so early. I mean, you know, we could easily see... Uh, we could easily see um, that there would be errors and stuff. But remember, it, it's like people look at this and say, well, there, are, there might be a thousand errors uh, with these, elect, uh, these autom- automated cars around the country, and it could cause a thousand deaths. And that's completely unacceptable. Obviously, it is unacceptable. However, it is a over 90% drop as to where we are now. About 30,000 people a year die in car accidents. So, I mean, I mean, I, no, he, he, 30,000. Thousand people. I mean, that's 10 9-11s. And they think they can wipe this out within 10 years. Huge. You're going to wind up having a, a situation where, I mean, maybe there'll be grandfathers, things grandfathered in, but they're going to ease. The progressives will absolutely push with good numbers behind them that we should not be allowed to drive ourselves. Right. Uh, gee. When did I say that? I'm glad you're making this about you. That's an interesting. Yeah, no, I mean, when did I say that? But it was the same time. It was the same monologue that we first introduced 3D printing to the audience. I mean, you know, to the general audience. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is what the future is going to look like. And at that time, four years ago, that was nuts. That was nuts. It's here. And I I think I said that self-driving cars would be the majority of cars by 2030. It might beat that. It might beat that. might beat that. Yeah, I, I know you made a prediction on that uh, general. I think it might have even been earlier, um, but it might have been 2030. And, I, I mean, it's, that seems ridiculous right now. I mean, right now it's essentially zero. I mean, there are a few test cars around, and a couple of uh, localities have made it legal, and there's a couple things going on with it. But essentially, right now, as we speak in 2016, it's zero. So here's the problem with all of this. The problem is, this, this is why 
This is why I believe the future can be so bright. The future, the future, as Silicon Valley sees it, provides us with so much freedom and so many things that that uh, that are keeping us a slave to time and a slave to um, uh, manual labor, a slave to the highway. What could you accomplish in your life if you got into a pod, basically a car, a self-driving car, and you didn't have to do anything in the car? You could, you, if, if your travel is an hour and a half, it doesn't matter anymore because I can do my work or I can sleep in the morning and I can sleep on the way out and I'm refreshed when I get home and I can play with my kids and dad's not so tired. I, I could do my work. I could leave at, you know, 3.30 to be home at 5. Yeah, would you? And I've done, uh, my car is my office. Would you not consider, uh, and, you know, it might not work for everybody, but would you not consider moving two hours away from work? Oh, my gosh. I mean, if you were fine working yes. in the car... You, you just, you leave uh, and you get there. You have two hours of work on the way. And then Imagine on the way home, you have two hours of work and you're only at work now. for like, say, four or five hours. Yeah. Think how, think how um, uh, usable that time is in your car because it's quiet. There's no interruption. You, you know, the only interruptions are the ones that you want to make. You mm-hmm. could you phone, you can turn it off or leave it on. Mm-hmm. Nobody's stopping by your office. That's... You live two hours away. That's four hours of extra work in quiet time. Two hours is a big number, but I mean, like, even an hour, your house probably drops in cost if you're an hour further away from a city by 40-50%. Your living costs go dramatically down. Uh, I mean, it's a huge change in lifestyle and would save people a fortune. That was a big change uh, for us coming to Texas from uh, working in New York. I mean, we had an hour, a little over an hour both ways. Uh, in and out of the city on the train every day. Yeah. So when we got to Texas, I mean, driving in your car, you're not, you don't have the laptop on your lap talking on the phone like you do on the train. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's yeah, a lot. huge difference. Huge difference. Huge tax difference. rates. People would chase uh, lower tax rates by, you know, living in other communities where they didn't have to, to pay them depending on the rules. Right. I mean, there's so many things that would change. And of course, the left will come out and complain about all those things because they'll say you're driving too far. Uh, you're too much uh, environmental damage. Uh, they will come out and say that because even with an electric car, if it happened to be electric, I mean, that electricity it does not actually come from magic gnomes in the wall. It comes um, largely from fossil fuels in this country. Whoa, wait, um, what? Yeah, no, yeah. I know. Well, there's, there's some localities have magic gnomes in their walls to generate electricity. I don't right. want to dismiss San it. San Francisco. San Francisco has it. Right. Berkeley has it. There's a few. Well, Washington, D.C. Washington, has D.C. has yeah. the magic right. gnomes. But outside of those communities, uh, fossil fuels are still quite important. You're our- saying that electricity is produced by coal. Coal and uh, natural gas, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that. Well, huh, that's well, no, 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 no. Solar panels account for most of our electricity. Well, they are growing uh, I mean, exponentially. Exponentially. They are growing, but they Solar do panels not. and hydro. Hydros. Hydro that is Hydro. not growing, but what about the cyber? The cyber uh, yeah. is pretty important. Okay, so let me let me see now. Here's let me take it to the problem. So we have we have great expansion and all the possibilities in the world just ahead of us. However, when we can have a cyber attack on our country like we had this weekend, 
Is there anything more crippling to the United States of America than losing access to the Internet? All right, no. You have, you have no phones. You have no access to the Internet. You can't do your banking. You, you, you can't use Google. How many conversations just stop when people are going, I don't know the answer to that? Uh, uh. Yeah, it's hard to imagine we ever, got, <laughs> we ever got through a conversation without Google. It really is. It really is. It's hard to con- conceive that somebody actually would hard use to. the dictionary or yeah. a book or, you know. An encyclopedia. Or, or just say, I Those don't are tough know. to carry around with you, though. They are. Yeah. So anyway, um, this attack on us was a possible uh, dry run. Taking out, they took out banks, they took out media, they took out Facebook, Twitter, they took everything. Now, it didn't affect everybody in the United States, but it sure did the East Coast and then eventually made it way, its way to the West Coast on Saturday. We still don't have verification on who did it, but imagine that getting to the power grid. Imagine that we're all driving self-driving cars and they tap into what? What does it run on? Google Maps? Does it run on Tesla information? What's it? It's not a magic gnome. Yeah, the Tesla network, right? Tesla network, might, right? Uh, their own. We know they can tap into uh, the the Pentagon's computers. They've already done it. When we're running our entire life on the network, on the cyber. And you have two presidential candidates that don't know jack about the cyber. And how do I know? Well, because they both have called it the The cyber. cyber. How do you have a future? How do you have a bright future with the technology of tomorrow when everyone in politics is operating with the understanding and the abilities and the knowledge of 1956? (laughs) Well, I mean, it's it's funny because, you know, we all, there all will always be a new threat, another way that they're attacking. But this particular attack happened because people didn't change their default passwords on the devices they were buying. So you buy a camera, you buy a baby monitor, whatever you buy, you don't change the default password, and they're logging in through default passwords and then using those as a botnet to attack, uh, you know, a central pillar of the internet. But it's like... the. If we depend on people to do that, most likely they will never do it because most people are just like, whatever. I don't, I don't care if that is protected. I don't care. So they won't do it. I, I mean, basic steps like the company not having a default password and instead having a password that goes out with each individual device that is just on a card that you have to enter mm-hmm. instead of t- whatever it is, password you know, one, uh, or would just, make a big difference. Or just people realizing that they have to do that themselves. Right, but I mean, again, there's no incentive for them to do it. Regulation. should be regulation. Regulation, I'm not saying regulation. I'm saying the company's just making an easy thing, adding a piece of paper that has a different password in each thing. But there will always be something that is a backdoor that somebody has exploited that is very easy that we can all turn around and say, if the company just would have done X, Y, or Z. The point is... If we're not talking about the future, if we keep talking about the crap that we're... Nobody's talking about how close we are to war with Russia. It's an afterthought in the debates and on the campaign trails. 
Nobody's actually talking about that. Nobody's actually talking about what is happening on Wall Street today. Nobody's talking about that today is the anniversary of the Patriot Act. And think about how different things were when we put the Patriot Act in to how different things are now. It's as different as the Telecommunications Act of 1933. We're not looking at the future. We're not looking over the horizon, and we need to. Because not only can we see the threats that are coming our way, we can see the brighter tomorrows that are also over the horizon. Now this, Caterpillar, viewed as a bellwether company for global construction and, um, and manufacturing um, activity. Disappointing earnings yesterday, and here's what the outgoing CEO said. Quote, economic weakness throughout much of the world persists. In North America, the market has an abundance of used construction equipment. Rail customers have substantial number of idle locomotives. And around the world, there are significant numbers of idle mining trucks. The biggest thing, when, I, when I'm coming here in Texas, I mean... Texas is is um, is a is an important place for trains, okay. and when you're coming down the highways in Texas and you are seeing these idle, I mean, eighty of them, these idle freight trains, just the engines, you know, economic recovery is not part of what's really going on. You don't have those trains sitting idle. Do your homework, find out what's coming, and find out if gold or silver is right for you. Check out Goldline, the exclusive dealer of the first encapsulated square coin. It's called the Legal Tender Unit. You can buy with confidence with our price guarantee program, but act now to ensure that you uh, acquire the special gold bullion units exclusively from uh, Goldline. They are, they are each a tenth of an ounce of gold bullion, and they're easy to distribute, easy to break up, easy to barter with, if God forbid we ever get to that. 866 Goldline. 1-866-Goldline. 1-866-Goldline or goldline.com. The Glenn Beck Program. Here it is, the anniversary of the Patriot Act. Uh, let me just give you happy anniversary, baby. Yeah, you on my mind. Yeah, let me just give you let me just give you a few uh, headlines here. Why Friday's massive internet outage was so scary? Hackers have turned our cheap electronic devices against us, and at this rate, it's only going to get worse. Uh, next, internet outages show how sophisticated attacks can target your home. And uh, the last one, remember, this is the anniversary of the Patriot Act, which gave, gave the government complete control so they could watch over everything and take care of everything. Obama on Internet outages. We don't have any idea who did that. So what has the Patriot Act done for us? Nothing. Made us, made us less, uh, uh, less constitutionally safe. I mean, I'm convinced. I mean, they will say that we it's done hundreds oh, no. of it's, things it's, that we yeah. saved so us about. from all these things that didn't happen. Yeah. There's no way to prove that. Right. No way to prove that. Back in a minute. 
Mercury. hard to come by. And we are living in a time when truth doesn't seem to matter and it needs to. And we all need to be repeating the truth as much and as often as we possibly can. I, um, I'm just looking in the, the, uh, the uh, book Liars that I put out a couple of months ago. I'm just checking the uh, civil rights like here, da da da. Signing a Facebook day, yes. So yes, here it is. It is all footnoted. Um, so this is something that I talked about um, internally with Barack Obama, saying, "Hey, this is collapsing, but you don't just scrap the whole thing; you fix it." Healthcare. We want to talk about this tomorrow. Uh, in greater detail. And I want to take you back to an episode on Fox that we did while we were debating healthcare. And we said they are going to collapse it. It is designed to collapse so they can have their universal health. That's outrageous. It's collapsing. And no one is going back and looking at the truth. Why would they do that? Yeah, right. Here it is in, here it is in Liars on page 168. We'll give you more of this on tomorrow. While not the vaunted single-payer universal health care that Obama and his progressive allies relished, the deceptively named Affordable Health Care Act did fundamentally, uh, did fundamentally change not only market-based health insurance, but the entire American health care system itself. Quote, it laid the groundwork for a collapse a la Cloward and Piven, that will inevitably shepherd in a more pure version of socialized medicine down the road. And most importantly, it made Americans begin to question those key principles of individual liberty and limited government and ask themselves if the state could actually take control of health care. If, if it could, what else could it take control of? What can't it control? Uh, We'll talk about this tomorrow because that is what's coming during this next administration. No matter who is getting elected, single-payer universal health care is coming because we predicted it. It wasn't hard. It didn't take Nostradamus. It didn't take tea leaves. It only required us to take them at their word as progressives. Well, Trump is saying he's going to repeal it and replace it, and it will be easy. Yeah, so we'll get into that tomorrow. Right now, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Brexit. I asked Stu a couple of days ago to look at the truth behind Brexit, because everybody said that was a surprise, and I don't remember that being a surprise. Right, Um, and this kind of goes back to what we talked about earlier with the Newt Gingrich, Megyn Kelly thing. I mean, you can go back and forth, and they were yelling at each, you know, well, Newt was yelling at her about how she's fascinated with sex and and, you know, there's controversy on both sides of that. But the most important part of that entire interview to me was Gingrich saying something completely true, which is there are currently two alternate universes. 
when it comes to these campaigns. Yes. I mean, go if you go, if you live and, and bounce back and forth between Drudge and Breitbart and other sites and shows, you're going to see a situation, which is laid out for you, that this is a, uh, I mean, Trump's winning. The polls are showing he's winning. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, it's surprising to see anything that would favor Clinton. I mean, tr- I think Drudge today is fe- featuring three polls, um, two of which have Clinton winning. The third one is the L.A. Times poll, I think. But it's, oh, he's only showing you the three polls where it's very close. There are, this month, there have been 24 polls, uh, 25 polls taken um, of the race between Clinton and um, and Trump. And Hillary Clinton is winning 24 of those polls. 24 of 25. The only t- the only one that, that Trump was winning was one day on the Rasmussen Reports um, poll, which he was winning by two. If, if he's currently losing that poll. If you're to look at the Drudge Report, it looks like he's he's winning by a lot because it says Trump pops Florida, which I don't know what that means. Up four in Ohio. Pulls to within three in Pennsylvania. And then you scroll down to the poll watch. IBD, Clinton plus only one. LA Times, Trump plus one. Rasmussen, Clinton plus one. So the only ones that ever highlight are the ones that look good for Trump. It is two parallel universes. Yeah, alternate universes. Alternate universes. So you should take time before the election and figure out what elect, what universe the you source, are your in. sources are, get, are from. Because I think there are two alternate universes. There are some that say Clinton's ahead. There are some that say that Trump's ahead. Which universe are you listening to and which one's going to be right? I mean, I, you'll have to look at that yourself. We could have a huge swing in the election or whatever. But the, I, one of the big arguments is, which is a strange argument, is the Brexit argument. Because Drudge will say Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Trump will say Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. Breitbart will say Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. And the idea you're supposed to get is this, this idea that Brexit and the leave vote, leaving the European Union, Union, was way behind and the polls were all wrong and it wound up the other way around. That leave one, and they pulled out. First of all, if you're on these sites and they're only showing you polls where Trump is winning or within one point, it wouldn't be a surprise at all if Trump won. So you wouldn't need the Brexit argument. It makes right. no sense whatsoever. Right. But the Brexit argument in and of itself is flawed. As I said, there's been 25 polls this uh, in the month leading up to this election that have uh, been taken. 24 of the 25 have been Clinton favorites. That is not the case at all. With Brexit leading up in the last month, uh, leading up to the Brexit vote, there were 34 polls taken, 34 polls in those polls. There were three of them that were tied remain the uh, the the stay in the European Union, won 14 of the polls and leave the one that actually wound up winning won 17 polls. So actually. It was a very tight toss-up election with a slight advantage to leave, okay? It was not some crazy last-minute victory for leaving the European Union. It was a surprise to a lot of people, and I think what a lot of people are conflating here is the betting markets. The betting markets believed that in the end, Remain would win, they, that, that they would stay in the European Union. Because um, they thought it was corrupt. And I think the betting markets thought, in the end... People are talking trash, but in the end, they're going to wind up coming back home. Okay. See, if I were betting, I would bet the exact opposite right now. Mm-hmm. That people are saying, no, I just, you know. But in the end, they're going to look at their life and they're going to say, I can't take any more of this. I want somebody to blow it up. And, and it, that may be the case. I, there are two arguments to that. The other, there are a lot of people who make the argument, 
Trump is entertaining. Trump is fun. But do I really want him running my country? And I'm not even talking about Republicans. I'm talking about moderates and people who mm-hmm. wouldn't typically agree with building walls and such. They might like Trump and his attitude, and but if in that's, reality, if they don't that's want true him. on both sides, then they probably cancel each other out. Yeah, they may very well cancel each other out. Um, Harry Enten, who's a uh, guy who does all this uh, polling analysis and stuff, he brings up an interesting one. If you want an argument for Trump on this. Uh, particular mode, which is actually the general election in the UK in 2015. Now, that election, unlike Brexit, has some hope, if you're a big believer, in a last-minute polling surge. Uh, The polls pretty much had conservatives losing that election the entire time. Towards the last couple of months, it got close and was basically a toss-up. In the end, the results wound up being uh, a huge swing for conservatives in which they won by six points in the popular vote, but more importantly, 330 to 232 seats. Um, so that, that was an election that was viewed as a toss up that, uh, that, uh, labor was favored to win the entire time. And then at the very last minute, the polls wound up being wrong. And if you remember this, the exit polls came out during the day and showed a huge conservative victory and Holy crap, it happened. People were shocked by the election polls because they thought it was a toss-up and probably a favorite for, for labor. And what happened was conservative party, the conservative party wound up winning by six points and a lot of seats. So if you view it in that uh, mindset, the, right now the polls are showing Trump down by five, six, seven points in that general vicinity. If he had that sort of swing, he could, he could bring it back to a toss-up and then maybe he squeaks it out. That's kind of your argument for Trump. Much better than Brexit is that 2015 election in the UK. Um, but again, it's, it's, a, it's going to be very difficult, especially with, you know, an electoral college map that I has there been, favor him. Has there, been, um, has there been anybody who has bucked this this close? I'm still hearing the Reagan. No, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. No. Has okay. there been anybody who has bucked the system this close? Uh, not in U.S. presidential elections. I mean, there have been times where polling has been wrong. Have you looked into that? Have you looked into that college professor up from SUNY that gets it right, supposedly every time? Yeah, we talked about him on Monday, I believe. Helmet, remember Helmet? Uh, yes. Yeah. I, although I'm not sure if you're talking about him or the other guy who has correctly predicted something like 12 in a row. There's two. There's two of these there's, big ones out there. Two. The the one that you're you're t- Stu's talking about has predicted the last five, which is not that big an accomplishment, I don't think. It's, you know, the two Obamas, which two really? Bushes, and Clinton. So right. I mean, the only and, one. Two thousand was the only one. No, the other the other guy was. Oh, the other guy was. The other guy was. Yeah. There's two of these going on. The one uh, the one most recent one is a guy saying that because of. Uh, wins in the second and third primary states tend to predict what happens in the general election. Which is weird criteria. Which is, which is weird criteria because you're annoy- he ignores Iowa where Trump lost. Uh, and then he also says that he's out, he outperformed um, Hillary in those primaries. In other words, he, his wins were more impressive. Mm-hmm. She won 74% of the vote in South Carolina. And the other one was New Hampshire, which was next door to the home state of her opponent. So, I mean, I... I don't know. I, I found that to be a strange analysis, but we'll see. 
The other one um, is that it's called more than a couple of elections. I think it was 12. You're he right. uses 14 different points of yeah, this is the history. Guy. Yeah. And I think that's what you're talking that's about. That's what I'm talking I about. I remember from, that he's guy's from name. Sun- he's from SUNY. And that one's interesting. Um, one thing that is inside of that analysis is this is based on an analysis which uh, only can allow for an average Republican and Democrat candidate. And I think you could argue very clearly that neither one of these are average. They're both below average candidates. Um, so, you know, their point was we the model cannot allow for a historically bad candidate. It doesn't factor that in. It doesn't say, well, the Republicans might. Um, and it doesn't allow for both of them to be historically, historically bad. awful. So maybe they'll cancel themselves out and it will apply. Um, their point yeah. in their analysis was we think there's a good chance that Trump is the one that is out of step here and we will get this wrong. Like they were, they're predicting in advance that they think that they make it. If it's the same both of those guys about. have predicted Trump will win, we should yeah. we should get them on. I'd, yeah. I'd love I'd love to talk to them. Yeah, love I know Helmet's yeah. doing it's, interviews. It's yeah, let's see if we can do it. Yeah. Um, all right, uh, let me take uh, let me take Rich in New York on line two. Hello, Rich. Hey, Glenn, how you doing? Good. How are you? Okay. Um, full disclosure first. I was a Gingrich supporter in 2012. Okay, mm. so I'm not a Gingrich hater. Let's fast forward to the primary of this election cycle. And um, I watched uh, Newt makes many appearances on Fox <clears throat> where he was practically giddy um, when he was confronted with the debacle that Trump was turning the primary into, devoid of issues, uh, something resembling more of a, a grade school uh, cafeteria food fight. And, mm-hmm. and Newt Gingrich was... He was um, indifferent, almost happy, okay? And um, also, Mr. Gingrich knew of all the polling that showed Trump being the worst person to put up against Hillary. He was obviously aware of that. And now he has the nerve to get angry. I would say (laughs) to Mr. Gingrich, you made your bed along with others. Now you have to sleep in it. Exactly. Now, can I ask you, Rich, the same thing that I've been asking people on the other side. Can you put that feeling aside once the election has happened and come back together to stand together uh, with those people who brought us uh, Donald Trump? If who gets elected, Glenn? Hillary. If Hillary gets elected... Can we? Um, uh, no, I think this has been a transformational <laughs> election cycle. <laughs> Seriously, I I have no more respect for Newt Gingrich. I have no more respect for Rush Limbaugh. There's just you and a handful of people, okay, that I have any respect left for. These self-proclaimed conservative traitors that I refer to them as. Um, will get no credibility from and, you know, me. But, Rich, the, the the same thing is said about us yeah. by the other side. Not, and that's the problem. We, yeah, that's we, the we problem. can't. We can't be divided as Americans forever. We've, we've got to figure this out. And it's probably, it's not the right time to do it now, probably. Yeah, because emotions are Rich, I, uh, I, I thank you for your call, and I understand the way you feel. Me too. Uh, we have got to find a way to come back together. Now this. Stuff happens, and what you do about it um, causes it to be a disaster or just an inconvenience. But stuff is going to happen. If you're prepared 
and you're really prepared for anything, um, it's just a minor inconvenience. Emergency food supply. My Patriot Supply is where my family has purchased ours, and right now they have a four-week food supply for $99. It's $140, uh, sorry, 140 adult servings of easy-to-cook food that lasts up to 25 years. So even if you already have a supply of emergency food, this is such an unbelievable price uh, that you should check it out. 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163, or go to preparewithglenn.com, preparewithglenn.com, 800-200-7163. You're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If we can talk a little bit about uh, something else I want to talk about tomorrow is the changes of uh, The Walking Dead. We haven't talked about The Walking Dead yet. Uh, that that started airing on uh, Sunday again. Disturbing. Well, you haven't. Disturbing. I haven't seen it. Pat yeah. saw it, said it's disturbing. I don't know if I'm going to watch it this year. They're, change, they're talking now about changing the rating from TV Mature to NC-17. Yeah, well, that's just because... Yeah, that's, that's it's, that will, would be appropriate based on what I saw Sunday. One episode. Oof. Times relax. 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 <laughs> relax. I mean, that's quite a change, Jeff. <laughs> this is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. 